0: Lasso. As usual, spent a little bit of time last night reading the Dhammapada. came across two verses, two coupled verses in the third chapter on the mind, uh, which I think we can all relate to very, very strongly. I certainly do. It's my fresh translation from the Pali. Nothing original about it, though. And that is, the wise one straightens the fluttering, unsteady mind, which is difficult to guard and hard to restrain, just as a fletcher straightens an arrow shaft. So I just thought that's so extremely relevant to what we're doing here. And the next one, if, if anything even more so, it's the very next verse. Like a fish that has been taken out of its watery abode and thrown on, on dry land, the mind flutters and trembles when it is removed from the abode of Mara. And Mara, the word Mara, of course, it's translated, it's the Buddhist notion of the devil or Satan or what have you. The word mada has different meanings. It can mean simply death. It can mean a certain class of actual sentient beings who often obstruct uh, people in their dharma practice. But I think really within the traditional Buddhism and also for us now in, in the modern world, the most meaningful uh, referent of the word mada is, or it's, it's one of the, if this is no fresh interpretation, it's the māra of mental afflictions. nyomongi nyomongi. And so, it is just simply the mental afflictions. But I think we've noticed this, I mean, at least a few of us. And that is, we, as we try to extricate our minds from the abode of mental afflictions, and the abode is made out of the walls. The, the walls of the abode are called obsessive compulsive delusional disorder. Four walls, <laughs> you know, <laughs> made out of very heavy mud. And when we try to yank the screaming and yowling mind out of, this mud hut of the obsessive compulsive delusional disorder, uh, it doesn't come quietly. I think we might have noticed that. And the, but the metaphor is so strong. I mean, you, you've, we all know what it's like. Take a fish out of water and, put it, and just throw it, throw it onto dry land. That's one fish that does not give up without a fight. So it's flip-flop, we all, you know, the image is so strong. Isn't it exactly the image for the mind? Flip-flop, flip-flop, I can't stand it, I can't stand it. I want to go back to, ah, the retreat's over. (laughs) I can go back to normal now. And it strikes me as so close to, I mean, really, what should we call this except addiction? Because what is it when you take a person off of heroin, opium, cocaine, any addictive, for that matter, not only the illegal drugs, but the legal drugs, you know? Uh, What are the withdrawal symptoms? It's a fish out of water, flip-flop, flip-flop, can't stand it, can't stand it, give me something to think about, I'll read a newspaper, anything, I'll think the same thoughts that I've thought ten times over, I'll think them again, (laughs) and again, and again. I know it's boring, but it's better than not having any thoughts at all. <laughs> so it's really weird. I mean, it really is simply addiction, isn't it? It has all the earmarks of it. it gives you tummy problems, make you, make you vertigo, keeps you awake at night, you know? So powerful metaphors. That's 2,500 years old. So it's not just us, I guess, huh? It's been going on for some time. Olasso, but I love those verses. Uh, Third chapter, Dhammapada. So this morning, of course, as you're expecting, we'll go into the second phase of mindfulness of breathing. And as we slip into the practice, seeking to calm this obsessive and compulsive flow of discursive thought, especially when we've been doing it for, for two weeks, it's like being really patient with your kids. After a while, the kids are going "wow, wow, wow." You're being really patient. "Wow, wow, wow." You're being really patient. After a while, just shut up, kids. You know, just pipe down, or I'll give you something to be unhappy about. That's what my dad used to say when, when he was really grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's easy to be kind of just get impatient. Like, oh, I've been doing this for seven weeks now. The mind should be much quieter than it is. So. Um, let's just do something new. How about pranayama? How about neurofeedback? How about getting some real cool timer? How about anything that I'm not doing? Change of diet? Anything, how about I just hold my breath? Anything, but you know, let's speed things up here a little bit. That's the top-down approach. That's the top-down approach. Golfers do it, race car drivers do it, jet fighter pilots do it, people in heavy traffic do it. It's the top down, it's pressing down, pressing down. And as you've heard me say so many times, as long as the underlying turbulence, I think it's the best word I can find, but it's the flip-flop, flip-flop, it's the fish. But as long as the underlying turbulence is not calmed, then we can heavy-handedly press the mind down and for a short period we can get it to shut up. Just like the very stern father says, you better be quiet or you'll be sorry. And then as long as his eyes are there, they get... As soon as dad goes, wow 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 wow, you know, they're popping off again. So, as you're so familiar by now, if we can release that turbulence from beneath and come to a sense of ease, of looseness and calm, then the mind gradually stabilizes. But as we're venturing in, now in the second phase of this mindfulness of breathing, then we're adding to that, we have the bottom up, which was entirely the, the theme of the first practice, just releasing full body awareness, the, the infirmary. But now we're gonna couple that. Now we're gonna start the balancing act. Because one, one could think, with all the emphasis I've given on relaxation, frankly, to try to protect you all so that you don't have any extreme reactions to the meditation, uh, relaxation really is the safest, safest antidote for that. Almost, and, and Malcolm will bear me out on this one, and I think a lot of you know, almost all the problems people have in meditation, including from the psychiatrist that was consulted a couple of days ago in Phuket. Almost all the problems arising meditation happen because people are trying too hard. Yeah, trying, bearing down too hard, let alone doing the practices incorrectly. That's another whole kettle of fish, another whole issue. So one may get the impression that, okay, the safe way is relaxation, 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 and stability will just take care of itself. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like there's just one theme, relaxation, and then, you know, and then just slide home and it will be easy going all the way. No, there, there does need to be effort. So in the winding road of shamatha, the nine stages, there's a pretty big flame at the beginning. It's small compared to what we want to bring to it, but it's still, it is a flame. We do need to apply effort. And so this is the top down. Applying effort, that's where the counting comes in. That's where really, all right, I'm going to be serious this time. I'm going to be determined. I really will be focusing. I'll sustain. And so there is effort there that is applied. But now we see here's the, here's the balancing act. And that is from the bottom up, the relaxation. And never relinquish it. Whatever effort is given, and this is the core instruction. I hope you just take it home. You've memorized it more deeply than your own address. As you're applying effort, we must apply effort. It's effortless only later, later, manana, manana. But in the early stages, there is effort. But as you apply effort, you do not allow the sense of relaxation to diminish. If you can apply effort, and then more effort, and more effort, or actually you, you apply less as you go along the path, and it doesn't diminish your sense of relaxation, looseness, ease, no problem. If it erodes, undermines the sense of relaxation, and as you're applying effort, you start getting tighter and tighter, then doing it wrong, loosen up, loosen up, okay? So there's our balancing act. Right in the middle is where stability happens. And that is we have the relaxation and then we're applying effort, whether it's counting the breath, whatever we're doing, there's effort to be applied and there's relaxation to be applied and enduring stability comes out of the balance between those two, okay? That's a refresher course. This is really core. I hope you all bring it home with you. It can be, save you a lot of time. Remember, remember His Holiness's comment when he was interviewed by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation when he got the Nobel Prize, you remember? Somebody asked him, is it necessary to have a Guru to achieve enlightenment? And he paused, he said, no, but it can save you a lot of time. And so that's it. As you all know, I told you from the beginning, I didn't come here to be, try to be your Guru. But I say I would, did come here to try to save you some time. So hopefully if you save some time, then time is well spent. OK, good. Let's have one session. Settle the body in its natural state, the respiration in its natural rhythm, and your mind settle it with ease, stillness, and clarity. a little while let your awareness permeate the whole field of the body diffuse but present and clear at any time during this retreat, or thereafter, as a result of meditation, or for any reason, if you find pressure building up in the head, a lot of energy gathering in the head, get your attention out of the head. You may bring it down to the abdomen, you may bring it to the full body, diffuse awareness, down to the abdomen and below. But bring your awareness down and that will dissipate the energy that accumulates in the head. Now, in order to balance relaxation and stability, let's focus on the tactile sensations of the rise and fall of the abdomen with each in and out breath. Deeply relaxing letting go of thoughts with every out-breath, and continue, ever so importantly, continue to release the breath until there's nothing more to release, until the next breath flows in effortlessly. Relax and release. Let go of thoughts with every out-breath. Arouse and focus your attention with each in-breath. Use your own judgment and experiment to see the extent to which counting the breaths may be useful. You may count them all the way to stage four. You may dispense with counting altogether if it's not useful. You may use it once in a while. There are different methods of counting, but the one I recommend, but lightheartedly, is one very brief count at the end of each inhalation. Let's continue practicing now in silence. Bring the session to a close. Well, very briefly, let's return to that lovely metaphor of shaping a piece of wood into an arrow shaft. I've never seen it done, and I know nothing about it, but that's not going to prevent me from talking. <laughs> if you had a piece of wood that you thought would be a likely candidate to shape into this extremely straight, fine shaft as an arrow, what do you think you'd need to do to, do to the word f- wood first? I know my guess is, what do you think? Oh, sure, You, you you'd you do that but when you want to go for the real fine shaping it may be as simple as just carving but let's imagine you can't carve off too much I'm making this up as I go you'd soften it you'd you'd steam it I'll bet you you'd steam it that was my guess you'd steam it which means you'd relax it you'd get it soft so that when you start to try to straighten it out You don't break it. So first you would soften it, let's imagine. Maybe it's not even true, but I think it should be. (laughs) First you soften it up with relaxation, and then you straighten it out. Now that it's soft and pliant, then you straighten it out. You might even put it in a mold, who knows, to really get it arrow-straight. And there's your stability. And then no arrow is a good arrow if it doesn't have a sharp tip. That's where your vividness is, okay? So, nice metaphor, nice metaphor. Good, Um, just wanted to check, does everybody have a buddy? We're all Bahulia's buddy as she heads back. Besides that, does everybody have a buddy? Everybody has a buddy, good. All right, just in case anybody might be interested, I will leave this translation uh, of the two verses here. You can copy them at will. And I wish you a good day, see you this afternoon.